how great thou art. And I do want to acknowledge my missing sweet Sister Briggs. <laughs> she and Brother Briggs have been so kind to me for so many years and supportive of my ministry and always supportive of anything I did, and I'm grateful for that. And I'm going to tell you all the truth, and I tell you every time I come, this feels like home. <laughs> I walk in the doors and I feel like I'm home. I may just quit everything I'm doing and start going to church here. <laughs> I just, I love every one of you and you're all so kind. And I definitely love the Maxwell family and the Briggs family. So before I start today, you know what my custom is. I have to do what the old prophet told me, Brother Barnes, many years ago. So please repeat after me. I now in Jesus' name receive the word you are sending into my heart. Not my head, because my heart is fertile ground where the seed of God will germinate. Now, Jesus, in your name, we commit this place to you today. We commit every heart in this place to you today. We take dominion over fear, over doubt, over unbelief, and we release faith into this place today that no matter our situations, God is great. <laughs> How great you are. And let's give him a shout of praise while we sit down. You may be seated. Well, Pastor, my sermon title today is a little strange. <laughs> of course, you are used to that with me. My title today is Sitting at Wit's End. There's a little vacation cabin in Montana. I've never been. <laughs> That's called Wit's End. I'll go when y'all go. Their slogan is... See, there it is. Isn't that cute? Their slogan is, where the road ends and peace begins. The description says, it's a diamond in the rough and a fantastic retreat near Glacier National Park. This charming log cabin was built in the last century and has stood the test of time. It's isolated. It's in its own extensive grounds. It's an ideal retreat for somebody wanting to get away from the crowds, but just a few minutes from Glacier National Park. <laughs> Sounds like a good place to go when you're at your wit's end and you need to regain peace. And the bus will be parked outside the front door waiting on all of us to board immediately after service. <laughs> There is even a game called Wits Inn. The description. Wits Inn is challenging, entertaining, trivia, brain-teasing game that will test your wits as well as your knowledge. So think hard, have fun while being driven to your Wits Inn. No thank you. That is not my idea of a night off. I don't need to be driven to my wit's end by a game. Not gonna bring peace to me. There are streets named wit's end. <laughs> there are stores named wit's end. And yes, there are bars named wit's end. <laughs> there are books. 
We live at a wit's end time. And that's what led me to preach today, sitting at wit's end. If you say you're at your wit's end, I, that's probably a southern slogan. And I probably, if I said that in Detroit, they would have no idea what I'm saying. But y'all know. If you say you're at your wit's end, you're emphasizing that you're worried and exhausted by problems and difficulties, that you don't know what to do next. You're confused, you're bewildered, you're perplexed, you're agitated, <laughs> you're hot and bothered, you're hot under the collar, <laughs> you're panic-stricken, delirious, berserk, I'm at my wit's end. It means I'm in a state of distress and I don't have enough patience to deal with that problem any longer. You tried everything, you're upset, you've reached your limitations mentally and physically and emotionally. Have you ever used that phrase? <laughs> Unfortunately, I have many times. Have you ever got a phone call or a text from somebody in a panic and they said they felt like they were at their wits end and they weren't at a cabin in Montana? <laughs> I relate to the phrase. In fact, I believe every one of us that are living for God in this day and in this season and even those that aren't are at our wits end. And where the enemy would love to have us confess that we're hopeless and helpless and even feeling like we're losing our minds. But that is a lie. Yeah. If you Google the meaning of wit, you're going to get a whole lot of answers. <laughs> it's the ability to say or write things that are clever, natural ability to perceive our intelligence, but if you go back to the Old English, it means understanding, knowledge, to be a certain. Find out or learn with certainty. You have your wits about you. <laughs> so it's safe to say that when you're at your wits end, you're at the end of your knowledge you're at the end of your understanding, and you have no certainty. Yeah. You can't find a solution any longer, and it seems to be no answers are left. Are you starting to relate? You don't know any answers anymore. <laughs> I've read a lot lately about artificial intelligence and the panic that some sectors of work are finding because they're afraid AI is going to take over their jobs. Is the economy going to tank? Are prices going to continue to rise? Is Social Security going to fail? Will my kids ever get straightened out? Will I ever have more money than bills at the end of the month? Is it always going to be hot? <laughs> Dear Lord. But today, I come to tell you, we don't have to sit at wit's end. It's not God's will for us to camp there. We all desire to fulfill our God-given purpose and to do it well, and to hear him say, well done. And this means having faith and seeking God for wisdom during this season and the seasons that we are approaching, like Mom said today. It's easy to become very frustrated and confused right now. Won't throw in the towel. Sometimes I'll just look up in the heavens and say, God, we be frustrated down here. We just be frustrated. But we're not the first generation to feel this way. I, today, I want you to look at where that phrase actually originated and how to overcome and finish well when it looks impossible. I don't know. Maybe there are some people here today that want to overcome. 
that want to get off of Wits End Street, that want to finish well. So the phrase originates in Psalms 107. Let's read verses 23 through 27. They that go down to the sea in ships, that do business in great waters, we're talking about sailors, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth, I don't like this part, and ariseth the stormy wind, which lifteth the waves thereof, and they mount up to the heavens, and they go down to the depths, and their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro, and they stagger like drunken men, and they are at their... These poor sailors, they couldn't do anything to help themselves. The Hebrew says, I love the way it says it, their wisdom was swallowed up. Everything they tried failed. We've all been there. We're out of options. We're out of ideas. We're out of patience. We don't know what to say. And as we read in this psalm, the place called Wits Inn is on a ship's deck. It's in a storm-tossed sea. And there are obviously huge waves that are just tossing that poor little ship back and forth, dropping it down, picking it up. Strong winds are just throwing it around like a toothpick in the sea. The men can't even stand up. They stagger across that deck like they're drunk. They can't even find a handrail to hold on to. They're tossed to and fro. Their sails are tattered and ripped. <laughs> Waves keep coming across the deck. And it looks like it's all over. They're in total despair. They're helpless, powerless. Nature seems to be overcoming them. The heat is overcoming me. We're unable to stop the storm. We're unable to save ourselves. <laughs> We're with the sailors today at our wit's end. I don't know what your wit's end story is today, but I know they're in the house. <laughs> and you've heard my story. Ten-year struggle with my health. 30 to 40 doctors, three hospitals, Mayo Clinic, told me I didn't have a chance of living. How the storms of sickness and organ failure tossed me to and fro. And I was at my wit's end. But then, as you also know, God showed up. He stilled the storm. And I stand here today completely healed from all that illness. And I told him today, I was bound to a wheelchair at one time, but that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is my God is able exceedingly abundantly above anything that we can think or even ask. We never stop at wit's end. But I found myself again at wit's end just a few months ago when Steve passed away. What am I supposed to do? What about the kids and the grandkids? Where do I live? How do I make a decision without somebody else to help me? <laughs> it even gets down to the basics. What do I eat? <laughs> Where do I go to eat? When do I go to bed? How do I make a financial decision? I need a car. What do I do? After 46 years of marriage, everything you do is as a team. And I found myself at the end 
with all my human ability and resources. My soulmate was gone. I was exhausted and broken. And I again go to the only place I know to go, to my Savior, my dearest friend, and this. And like the sailors aboard the ship, we've all been simply going about our business, doing what we thought we were supposed to do, moving on in our walk with Jesus. And then one day, out of nowhere, a storm comes and waves of crisis start rolling over you from all sides. And it seems like life's troubles seldom come one at a time. <laughs> the waves just keep coming. After Steve died, I started having health problems. My body was battered and broken and worn. My sails were ripped apart. I was being thrown to and fro. It was like the waves in a storm. It just came one after another after another and fast and furious and mounting higher and higher. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's as if the sun has gone down and darkness has overtaken you. And like the sailors in Psalms 107, where it says your soul is melted because of trouble. I love what the Hebrew says here. The word melted means fainting with fear. And you know what the truth is? And you don't want to hear this because I didn't want to when I found this and read this scripture. But God himself had initiated that storm in the scripture. Look at verse 25 again. For he, God, commendeth and ariseth the stormy wind, which lifted up the wave, therefore. Oh, he's the one <laughs> that brought those sailors to that place. He's the one that rose the wind, stirred the waves, tossed the ship. Everybody breathe. <laughs> if you read the entirety of Psalms 107, you're going to read about God rescuing a lot of people that are in trouble. Now, I'm going to deviate a second because there are some storms that come to us that are out of our control. There are some that come to us because of our own sin and poor decisions. But you know what's so cool about that in Psalms 107? It doesn't make any difference to God. He shows up when you cry out. <laughs> he continues to rescue them in that Psalms time and time again. So today, if you sit here, whether you have wrecked your own life, with drugs and drinking and multiple partners and lying and cheating and stealing and been in prison and been arrested so many times, please grasp this psalm. None of these things disqualify you from God's rescue. Some of the people in the psalms got theirself into that situation by pure stupidity rather than somebody else's persecution against him. But God still hears the cry and rescues them. Maybe you're at your wit's end because of things out of your control, like me. You lost a spouse, maybe a child. It could be you're reeling because of somebody else's poor decisions. Maybe you're just confused. Shannon spoke today because so many things are happening in our world that we can't begin to grasp and understand. 
I believe that we're in a season when the enemy is truly trying to quench our passion by wearing us out. We're facing major decisions almost daily. And you that are raising kids, my heart and prayers are with you. We desperately need some answers. There are people that have physical problems that need healing. You are here that have financial needs. But I'm bringing you today the formula to get through this mess. Our problem is, though, we want to go around, over, under, <laughs> beside, but we don't want to go through. But Isaiah 43, 2 tells us, when thou passeth through the waters, what? <laughs> He's going to be with me. And through the rivers, they're not going to overflow me. And when I walk through the fire, I will not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle against me. Why? Verse 3 tells us, for I and the Lord your God, <laughs> the Holy One of Israel, the Savior, and I will bring you through. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, if we do not remain focused on His Word and on His truths concerning the ability to watch over His Word and to perform it, we're going to be tempted in this season for our faith to waver and our trust in him to falter. James 1 and 5 and 6 tells us, but always, always, always ask in faith that we have received. We'll be sitting at our wit's end if we don't put God first, use his wisdom every day day of our lives at this season. You know, it used to be that you could show up Sunday and Wednesday and you felt pretty good. But now Monday's come. We're in a season where we have to remain focused on our assignment to see him lifted up, to see him glorified, to show what he is to a world that is reeling to and fro. We have to be on assignment every day of our lives right now. There's no options anymore. You want an insurance policy state and all that works? You want to move from sitting at wit's end at that cabin? to a place of peace and surety. Let me read you how. Joshua 1, 7 through 8. <laughs> Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you better meditate on it day and night that you can observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. This is the prosperity doctrine right here. It, it does have conditions. <laughs> have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage, Bentley. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In 2023, with the waves tossing us to and fro, my God is still with us. I'm going to tell you, there is no escape, there is no help, there is no deliverance other than God himself. My hope is built 
Oh, nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. The way to fulfill destiny and finish your race well and to get off a wit's end is to do what Joshua did. Stay strong. Stay courageous. How? By meditating on the Word of God day and night, doing what the Word says. To meditate means to ponder, to keep in your mind, to imagine, to speak, to utter. This means that we keep in mind only what God says and instructs. Not what's on social media, not what you hear on the news, not even what your friends and family say unless it lines up with the Word of God. Do not consider what it looks like in the natural. Get your eyes off all this mess. Get your conversation off all this mess. It is God and Him lifted up that is the only thing that is going to bring us through. And God will bring us through. He will have a bride without spot and wrinkle. He will sound a trumpet one of these days and it's going to be over. But my job now is to keep him lifted up. Keep him lifted up. Quit worrying about everything else. You can't do anything about it anyway. My Lord, just lift up Jesus. Let me give you a practical way. <laughs> Let me just tell you what I do. I post scriptures everywhere, <laughs> constantly, and I change them. Whatever I am facing, I find a promise in the Word of God. I write it on a card or a sticky note, and I stick it where I can't miss seeing it. And then every time I see it, I speak it out loud into the atmosphere and to hear my own self speaking positive words Satan don't like to hear the word he will just politely dismiss himself if you start quoting it most of us have messed up we all have wavered in our faith and maybe even created a disaster but it's never too late to make the wise choice to consider and meditate on what God says. Joshua had to consider and meditate on what God had told him in order to shout down the seemingly impossible walls of Jericho. And I know these are difficult times, but in spite of that, I hear God empowering us with a shout. We need to shout down our walls. We need to leave wits in behind. The storm is blowing through. Yes, we're tossed. The walls and the mountains are standing before us. But God is still faithful to deliver us. How great thou art. I'm going to decide today along with you hopefully that I will only consider the word of God. I will only meditate on his greatness and his faithfulness. If you want to know how to do that to help yourself out, Psalms 91, read it every day. Read it every day. Start your day off with it. I hope you will just allow me to read I'm going to read the entire chapter because, folks, we need the Word of God right now. I don't usually do that for time's sake. And the bus outside will wait. We need the Word in us right now. Let me read it. You can read along if you want to. Whatever you want to do. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. 
and from the noisome pestilence, he shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings shall you trust. His truth will be your shield and your buckler. They shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand will fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even my most high, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall me, neither shall any plague come nigh me, for he shall give his... Woo! <laughs> His angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. You will <laughs> He'll bear me up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. I hear we treaded upon an adder this morning. Y'all didn't know it. There was a snake in the house. <laughs> Don't look under your pew. <clears throat> the young lion. You'll tread on him. The dragon. You will trample under the foot. Because he. Has set his love. Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high. Because what? He knows my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in my trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him. I'll tell you, you can't lose if you start your day with that. <laughs> and instead of being at wit's end, we ask God for wisdom. And then we passionately meditate and consider the fact that he says he will do and he will do. God puts no limits on faith. Faith puts no limits on God. Sometimes our faith has to outlast God's silence. Our faith has to outlast our storm. Our faith takes control when I'm sitting at wit's end. <laughs> Setback is set up for comeback. Setback is set up for comeback. Hard places lead to high places. I'm going to tell you something. We're not the first ones to be between a rock and a hard place. 1 Samuel 14.4, Jonathan, who was King's, King Saul's son, and he was David's dearest friend, found himself between a hard, rock and a hard place. Let me, let me read this to you. Verse 4, 1 Samuel 14. And between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over unto the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozaz, and the name of the other was Senia. Bozaz means shining. Sina means thorn or pointed. Jonathan was in a mess. His dad wanted to kill his best friend. He was between a rock and a hard place. Let me tell you something. Jesus lived between a rock and a hard place. He was born under a shining Bozaz star 
and he died under a crown of thorns. Sina. He was in the tomb between the rock that sealed the door and the hard place of the slab that he was laying on. But my friend, he came out. <laughs> and we will too. <laughs> he took a stand in that tomb in the middle of a rock and a hard place. And he walked out in total victory. Having done all, we stand. We stand between our rock and our hard place. We stand still and see the glory of the Lord. That's our assignment right now. We don't know which way to go. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But I surely can stand still and know that the glory of the Lord is about to be shed abroad in our earth. Woo! <laughs> Oh, my Lord, I do understand where you're living. I spent a lot of time here at Wits End. Seems to get more familiar to me. But my, I'm coming out. I'm coming out. The most difficult part of suffering is often time. When God delays... When he delays, that does not mean he's inactive. That's what matures our strength. In our storms, God equips us for his service. I love the, the Weymouth version of James 1, verses 2 and 3. Here's what it says. I don't really like it, but I'm going to share it anyway. <laughs> Reckon it nothing but joy. Whenever you find yourself hedged in by various trials between a rock and a hard place, sitting at wit's end, be assured that the testing of your faith leads to the power of endurance. This day and age, we need power and endurance. We don't hope, we don't simply wait. We don't just look. We believe. You may have desire. You may be hopeful. But my friend, that's not faith. He only operates in faith. You have got to believe only what this says. And I have read the back of the book. I know I'm going to win. I know I'm going to win. I know I'm going to win. What is my assignment? Be strong. Be courageous. Stand still and see what God is going to do for us. 1 Samuel 17, when the lion came to destroy David's flock, that looked like a disaster. But the lion became one of David's greatest opportunities in disguise. We must learn to recognize lions in our lives as opportunities from God. Keep your head up. Keep walking. I don't know the victory, but he holds the victory. Once Peter stepped out of the boat to walk on water to Jesus, the waves were none of his business. You will never prevail by measuring the waves, nor you're not going to grow any stronger by gauging the wind, attempting to survey the danger that may actually cause you to fall, just like it did Peter. What's my, what is my goal in the end of time? Keep your eyes on Jesus. <laughs> Don't look at the waves. You're going to fall. Don't, don't gauge the wind. You'll tip over. You keep your eyes on the one who has promised to be with us until the end. And you will walk straight into your 
provision straight into your purpose, straight into what God wants you to accomplish in this crazy world. Psalms 18, 28. I'm a word person, y'all. I use, it's like a sword drill in church with me. 18, 28. For thou wilt light my lamp. See, what that means is I was sitting in darkness. He walks in and lights my lamp. The Lord my God will lighten my darkness. Sometimes the Lord lets us get to wit's end, but he has a purpose in it all. 1 Peter 4 and 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. Hey, newsflash, you haven't been singled out. We all in this boat. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may <laughs> see this doesn't say if his glory is revealed. This says when his glory is revealed. I may be glad with exceeding joy. God's not surprised by our ordeals. In fact, it's happening because he wants to produce something in our hearts to reveal the glory that's in us. We may feel it's absolutely the worst storm in our life. I don't know. Your trial may be finances, business troubles, slander, family problems, personal tragedy. I don't know. You go to bed at night with a restlessness inside of you, a cloud hanging over you. And when you wake, there's that dull ache that's still with you. And it hangs on until one day you wake up crying, God, how much more do I have to endure? How long do I have to go through this? When did it all end? When did the storm stop for the sailors in Psalms 107? When did God bring them into their desired safe haven? According to the psalmist, two things happened. First, the sailors came to their wits' end. <laughs> they gave up on all human hope or help. They said, there's no way to save ourselves. Nobody on earth can get us out of this. Secondly, they cried to the Lord. In the midst of their trouble, they turned to him alone for help. Psalms 107, 28, 31. This is the end of their story. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. <laughs> and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm. So that the waves, therefore, are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet. <laughs> so he bringeth them into their desired haven. Please understand, God is never caught by surprise. He doesn't have to ad-lib his divine direction. He does not flip some cosmic coin to determine his actions on our behalf. God has a plan already to bring you out of your storm. In fact, let me tell you something about God. He devised the escape hatch before the storm ever started. But he will hold it back waiting for you to fully trust him. He wants to see if you'll put your life into his hands and say, live or die, I'm going to trust the Lord. As Job said, and that I said many times in my protracted illness, yet though he slay me, I'll go down trusting him. It's not a matter of can he, cause he can. 
It's not a matter of does he want to because he wants to. There is no problem you have sitting in this building today that my God, that my God cannot unravel. None. The good news about being at our wit's end is that God meets me there. When I'm at my wit's end, I go to the Lord to restore my soul and my spirit. And let me read Psalm 71. I just don't like all these scriptures God gave me. You have allowed me to suffer much hardship. What? Where is the good in God? <laughs> but you will restore me to life again. And you will lift me up from the depths of the earth. And you will restore me to even greater honor and comfort me once again. What's in where we are today is the place where we reflect and remember and rejoice and hope. It's where we build our faith. It's time to be thankful for God's presence in our lives and to ask him for the direction and to serve as a reminder that without him, we have nothing. But with him, we have everything. And it was God's delight to calm the storm, to bring salvation. The final verse of Psalm 107 says, Whoever is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. And having considered these things, we are duty-bound to obey Psalm's opening line of 107. <laughs> oh, give thanks unto the Lord for what? He is good and his mercy endureth forever. And I'm closing. Donna, you can come. In Revelations 4 and 1, John was on the island of Patmos. He was a prisoner surrounded by other terrible criminals. I'm sure even survival on that island was a struggle. But it was as a prisoner, not as the beloved underneath Jesus' arms and sitting beside him, but it was as a prisoner that John saw a door standing open in heaven. A door that was open for a captive. A door that is open today for those who are bound, sick, lonely, suffering from depression and anxiety. A door that will open if you need salvation, if you need answers. And the only condition for seeing that open door is what John says in Revelation 4 and 2. I was in the Spirit. That's all. I've come today as a partner sitting at Wits End, <laughs> but declaring to us all there is a door that is open. There is revelation. There is restoration. There was resurrection. He can unravel all of our problems. Our lions can become our opportunities. I can walk out. I can stand in the middle of adversity. I do have faith. God didn't love those sailors more than he loves you. He loves you at wit's end. But he don't want you to stay there. That's not his plan.
And just like the sailors, he's going to calm the storm. Have I been tattered and torn? Have you been tattered and torn? We have. But that's not the end of the story. I want him to allow us today to be lifted up above it all. And before we walk out of those doors today, we will feel like, on some level, that the wind has stopped blowing so hard, that the waves have stopped going so high, that he has stepped out into my storm and has put a calm on my sea. What we got to do today is look at God's viewpoint. We have to realize today that it will be worth it all when we see him and when we become like him. feel you moving in to minister to your people. You know the storm and the wind that we all are facing. You know that it looks hopeless to so many of us. But we know <laughs> that you are still in control. Today I want to stand with the rest of them and say, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. Let's don't be in such a hurry that we push past what he's wanting to do. He wants to minister to you as an individual and to you as a church. I've said so many times as I've stood in this pulpit, God has his hand on Bentley. You are like a refuge in a raging storm. You are like a city of refuge. And to maintain that in the middle of what we're living in, you got to put your eyes on Put your faith in his word. Know that it doesn't matter what's happening around me. He's still in charge. Let's just wait on him for a minute. There's a refreshing in my spirit. <sighs>